Hey food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Whether you're looking to get on your very first store shelf or you're looking to grow your national or even international food brand, this podcast is going to teach you what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale a packaged food brand. Hear the food founder journeys of brands growing in their industry so you can fast track your food business success. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Hey guys, I'm here with Hugh Thomas from Ugly Drinks. Hugh, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. It's a privilege to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's a busy time, I know, for everyone. So uh, I'm glad we managed to find time to chat. Yeah, yeah. Thank you uh, for making time. For anyone who's tuning in, we are recording right now. Um, in the beginning phases of the COVID pandemic. So we're both in work from home mode and know there's lots of changes going on um, that we're probably going to dive into a little bit. But uh, but first, let's kind of just like open it up for anyone who is not aware of Ugly Drinks. Um, can you share a little bit about who Ugly Drinks is and a little bit more about yourself as well? Yeah, so I'm Hugh. Um, I'm not American. I'm British. As you can hear, this isn't a fake accent. Um, I live in New York, grew up in the UK. Um, we started Ugly Drinks, and I say we, it was myself and my, my best friend, Joe, who lives in London. Um, back in the UK, three, just over three, four years ago now. Um, Ugly is a water brand. We have a range of different water products. We have a flavored sparkling water range um, in bright blue cans with the word ugly on. You can't miss them. We also have a range of energy waters. And then last week we launched our range of plain waters, still and sparkling. Um, ugly stands for the ugly truth. So our brand's always been built on challenging the status quo. Um, initially, we challenged soda and the big sugary sweetened soft drinks manufacturers uh, who we felt had been telling consumers one thing and then making them drink another for far too long, which caused many illnesses like diabetes, type 2, um, type two diabetes, sorry, obesity, and many other issues, including just general unhappiness and lethargicness. Um, and then we wanted to take on the status quo of energy drinks with lime green liquids, uh, toxic marketing, um, and just products that we felt were unclean and, and didn't necessarily deliver what the consumer needed. And then our last product challenges plastic bottled water. Um, so it's a single-use plastic-free canned water brand. And we and each of those products donates money to a bigger cause as well. So uh, the core range of flavored waters donates money to Girl Up, a gender equality charity. Um, the energy water range is about to partner with a teenage mental health charity. And then the uh, plain water range gives money back to Oceanic Global, who work on plastic pollution in oceans. Uh, so we've always really tried to stand for more than just being a drinks company. Um, we're rebellious in nature. Uh, we have a, an attitude um, and a view on the world. Uh, but really, we're just creating refreshing, great tasting drinks that are affordable to as many people as possible. Um, so hopefully we can give people an alternative to some of the, the brands that have gone in the past that are bad for you or bad for the world. Um, but we're trying to do it in a way that everybody can have access to. Um, launched in the UK, now in a, just over almost 6,000 stores there with a leading flavored sparkling water brand in the UK. And then I moved to the US about 18 months ago now and we launched the business here. Uh, we have been building the business across the US 
in the Northeast, uh, Tennessee, interestingly, Arizona, and on the West Coast in California as our early test markets. But we've been available direct to consumer in the UK and the US from day one nationwide. So we've shipped about 40,000 deliveries to doors, and we are doing a lot of that this week, um, which has always been an interesting part of our business as well, and something because we have a younger consumer. They've always wanted to be able to have access to us from their mobile phone or desktop computer. We always had that from the beginning too. So that's the whistle stop of of uh, of the business. Um, hopefully, that gives you a bit more of an idea. Um, yeah, yeah. And like you guys are the definition of a challenger brand. Like you have challenged the status quo of three of the largest categories within beverage, like soda, energy drink, water. Uh, you guys are yeah yeah easy easy and you've really like you've exposed what I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable with and they have kind of turned a blind eye um and I think it's great what you guys are doing it's a beautiful thing far from ugly of what you guys are doing (laughs) it is it's great you know especially um I have a lot of history in the bev world uh I joke that I try to like clear my conscience with some of the beverages that I, you know, promoted. I love all the brands that I promoted and I'm so grateful for everything I've done with them. Um, But, you know, it comes to a point where you need to feel really good about what you're putting in people's bodies and you're promoting that people put in their bodies and you've done that. Um, And that's, that's great. Like how, what, what led you guys to do this so you just see the need of like hey we're sick of seeing all these products out there dominate that are really not good for us or was there something that really was the tipping point for you guys to want to create ugly drinks no it's it's a super good question and um i think what it comes to i think you made a really good point there there's some amazing brands and the brands that you've referenced that have been around for a hundred years are phenomenal and they're very powerful because they're so strong. Um, and they delivered great price point, great refreshment, um, huge availability, um, to consumers for a very long time and been very prevalent in terms of their marketing. So because we respect them so much, we, we also understand that in order to challenge it, you have to really have a strong plan and a strong business. Mm -hmm. Joe and I actually, when we were in the UK, we worked for Vitacoco, the coconut water business, and that's where we met. We were both in our early 20s when we worked there. Um, first employees of that business expanded. And what we were seeing is the coconut water business grew is that people were switching away from drinking, you know, high sugar sports drinks, high sugar juices, high sugar smoothies, high sugar non-alcoholic beverages and carbonated drinks to move to coconut water because of its benefits and its lower sugar content. Um, but I think Joe and I realized we wanted to take it one step further and, and thought if you don't want to drink sugar at all or a juice type product like coconut water, what can you drink? You look at the water, you end up with water and you look at the water brands we had in the UK when we were there and they're either very functionally led and quite kind of premium, um, kind of drink this when you exercise or, you know, when you're working out or they are based on provenance and it comes from this mountain range or it comes from this this island in the South Pacific. Um, and we were just sitting there going, isn't it crazy that if you want to avoid sugar or avoid chemicals, you end up buying water brands that come from mountains in France or islands in the Pacific and also are relatively premium and have brands that 
don't necessarily speak to you the way that these amazing mm. soda brands or energy drink brands that are fun, speak to young consumers, do great marketing. And so what Joe and I wanted to do is we wanted to make a healthier alternative that was affordable, but then build a brand around it that excited people and it made it something positive to pick up and exciting to pick up rather than something that felt like a sacrifice or a boring healthy choice, which it is a healthy choice, but we don't want the healthy choice to feel like a healthy choice. Mm. Um, and, we, you know, we'd seen that in some other categories um, where they'd done quite a good job of it, but we felt versus soda, there's an amazing world of beverages that I still buy that are, you know, $5, $10, um, for you know green cold pressed juice or some of these other healthier beverages but really the soda consumption is such a big volume item in the US in, and in the UK too and I'm sure where you are in Canada the numbers are so big that you have to understand that this is regular people who are trying to get food on the table who have limited budgets who are buying soda for their families are buying soda when they're out and about and we wanted to create a brand that could sub in for that without anybody really realizing that they've given up, you know, 40, 40 spoons of sugar, um, which is in a, which is in a regular can, let alone a two liter, three liter mm. bottle of, of, um, of soda. And so that's why we have a product and package that is bold and bright and has a young vibe to it is because, you know, and we're at the same price point as soda. We're at the same price point as the other sparkling waters is because, it shouldn't cost you the world to make healthy switches. People still want their ice cold can refreshment. Uh, they still want something that's affordable that you can fill the fridge with. Um, and so that was what we always set out to do. Um, and we didn't just want a product that was popular in New York, California, or London. We wanted a brand that could be popular in, you know, Tennessee, where mm. we're seeing success, or Arizona, or, you know, the middle of the UK, where Joe and I grew up. So, um, that's always driven us, and I think it, it came from kind of going, okay, consumers want less sugar, but they don't always want the brand to be wrapped in premiumness or worthiness. Mm. So to back from there was always core to what we did. What I love about how you guys have gone about this is that you recognize that having healthy doesn't mean it needs to be like so prestige, like everyday mainstream people also want to make better choices mm. and you've found a way to stick within the like zone of reference it's not a super premium brand it doesn't look super but it's fun it looks like it looks it kind of reminds me of like an energy drink kind of reminds me of like a soda but it catches your eye it makes you feel um it makes you feel like engaged and playful and you're right. Like you guys saw this gap in the market of like better for you and just like approachable. And it's amazing when like actually saying that, that no one has really done that before. <laughs> That's it. And um, there's so many startups and I have so much respect for colleagues in the startup world. And I buy these products too. Right. And I love them. And I love finding out about new trends and, uh, new ingredients and things like that but Joe and I always came at it from the point of view of you know one in three Americans is pre-diabetic so what are those people buying um, and they're buying legacy brands they're buying brands that have been around for 10-20 years and we need to disrupt that so 
you know, creating a, something that's at a price point or in the wrong part of the store was never going to solve that problem. Mm. Um, so you have to, yeah, fish where the fish are. And that's why we created the proposition we have. Um, it does, it has also meant that it's, it can be very challenging at times because we are up against uh, Goliaths. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we are David versus Goliath. And you mm -hmm. have to like a David. So we have to play to our strengths as much as... Uh, play them toe-to-toe -to -toe at what they're good at. Right. And how, like, how has that whole process been um, in terms of how it's kind of shifted, how you, how you guys are going to market, uh, things like trade spend, marketing spend, like how have you found a way to compete with such, you know, dominant brands with massive budgets, massive distribution networks, and really come at, them from a challenger standpoint have you guys been able to do that because you have been able to do it really successfully uh and i think a lot of people you know have this idea of wanting to get there but just not sure how and, and you guys have been you're doing it yeah we're, st we're still a million miles away from where we where the condition we'll get to but um i think hiring great people has been probably the first thing that we've done that has meant that we have a uh, not an advantage versus the big competitors, but we put ourselves in a very strong position to compete with them and play them at a very, we play a very different game in terms of getting our great people in front of store managers, in front of um, consumers, in front of uh, buyers. Um, we have an incredibly passionate team that lives the ugly values. And I think when you're small, it's almost like you're a speedboat versus an oil tanker. And so we're able to get in stores, build relationships with managers, build relationships with the consumers that big companies aren't able to do because they, they've scaled, they're too big to be able to react in a small way. So we, we treat every, you know, every phone call, every meeting um, with the same level of respect, whatever size of the customer. Um, and I think we've just been adding one by one by one, every store. And that, that adds up and builds up over time. And I think, Big companies have money brands to sell, many different products, and it's hard to have win that over, and certainly with consumers too. So that's been a big part of it. And then I also think being digitally native from the beginning um, has meant that we've, we've built quite uh, amazingly strong one-to-one -one relationships with our consumers online as well. Mm. So ha having you know tens of thousands of consumers that have purchased Ugly Online, they receive a great blue box, they get lovely email communications. They have our customer service team, which is our own team to reach out to and helps them solve any problems. And I just think for a big company, to replicate that, that feeling of authenticity and approachableness that you suggested at the beginning. Now, I think those two things are quite often overlooked, but if you have the right people and you, you treat everybody with respect and every consumer with respect, it goes a long way. And so what we're focused on doing is replicating that, which is why we've broken down the U.S. into smaller geographies rather than looking at it all as one, which would be overwhelming. How do you go region by region, understand what works, understand how you do it, and then replicate that one by one? So mm. you know, we've got this place working, then we'll look at the next day. So we started in the Northeast, kind of understood what worked here. Then we launched in Tennessee. Then recently we launched in Arizona. We're about to launch in California, and then there's a bunch of other states we're launching later in the year as well. Everything pending. Obviously. <laughs> um, I shouldn't cough on this podcast, sorry. Um, but uh, we, we, um, 
we just learn as we go. We we test, we improve, we tweak stuff, and uh, you know, big companies almost have to hope for things to land straight away. Mm. Um, so we try and look at it as an advantage that we're small. Uh, when we do production runs, we learn very quickly because of our direct consumer relationships. We learn very quickly if consumers think our lemon and lime flavor could be improved, and so because we listen and we speak to them one-to-one, we've been able to make three or four changes that have improved sales and improved our consumer's relationship with the brand because of it. We actually um, asked them which flavors they wanted to see next, um, and they said watermelon, pink grapefruit, uh, weirdly pina colada. So they're the flavors we launched. Um, And it turns out if you listen to people, then you actually create stuff they want. So I think that's just something that we're using to our advantage and we've just started scraping the surface on as well. So hopefully we can begin to scale that and um, don't, don't forget these values as we grow is really the, the next next aim for us. Well, and it seems like you guys are really creating a culture and living and breathing it. And so I would imagine as you scale and continue to grow that, you know, with your focus on hiring the right people and building those deep relationships, um, there'll obviously be challenges, but that seems ingrained within you guys already, which is which is great. Yeah, uh, jo- Joe and I, Joe and I started this business because we wanted to disrupt the industry, not because we wanted to raise loads of venture capital money or make loads of money. We've all we started this when we were both we had the idea when we were both 23, 24. So it comes from that like youthful um, naivety of wanting to take on the world's biggest companies. Mm. So it's just in our DNA to be uh, stubborn and, and want to challenge. And uh, yeah, it means that there's so much authenticity internally ugly that we don't really have uh, things like politics. We don't really have, um, nobody joins the business with any baggage like that. Mm-hmm. So it's actually we're all very focused on one goal, which makes it, um, it makes it very easy to work with the people we hire. Um, I don't, you can interview them and ask them. They'll probably say something different. <laughs> But um, that's how I feel when I go in every day, that there's no egos, no egos in the business, really. Um, and my team's probably shouting, apart from mine. But um, it's, 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 it's focused on um, democratizing healthier beverages. And so everybody's focused on that. And we all know that if we do that, we'll build a, build a business where we can do more exciting stuff. And everybody's careers will grow in the process, too. So, yeah, that's the I think it's important to have like a rally cry for people to get behind. I I think that everyone works harder and will go have those conversations that they need to have with, you know, store managers or with, you know, public publishers or whoever it may be. When you have that purpose behind you, it, it, you take you out of the question. You take the company kind of even out of the question. You just know that you're standing for something larger than yourself. That's and it. That, what makes things happen and that's it and you know we're as you said at the beginning we're going through a tough few weeks as a as an industry and as a you know as a whole planet really um and you know we can only control so much um which feels crazy in itself but we know we still have this like true north star we still know people are drinking too much sugar too many too much plastic um so it keeps you focused when the whole world's in pandemonium it's easy to get distracted by the news cycle but you know when I start work every day working from home at the moment I know very clearly what I need to do and where we're trying to get to um so I'm very glad we started the business with 
with like it from the heart mm-hmm. at the beginning. Um, because, you know, I think in moments like this, if you didn't really care about what you're doing, you could probably say, ah, actually, I'll let this go. Like, it's not worth it. Or this is hard. Or it'd be a grind. But for me, you know, like, working from home in a pandemic, like, it's just another day because you, you're, we're totally focused. We know where we're trying to get to. And um, I like the people I work with. So it's just sad we can't be in person more often. But, right. um, yeah, that's what we can control right now from a day-to-day point of view. And so that's what everyone tries to do. And then we can only do our bit at the moment and try and support other people around us as well. So I don't know. What I'm try- I guess what I'm trying to say is like having that core focus just helps all the time, you know, when, especially in tough times too. Yeah, yeah, especially in times times like this and, and always. Um, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, every business always has ups and downs. Um, talk to me about a challenge that you guys are currently working through. I'm going to assume it has something to do with what we're facing right now. But if you're facing something larger than that, please. Like. <laughs> yeah, let me have a think what's going on. No, it's um, well, this is probably the ch- most challenging environment we face many challenging environments to be honest as a business you know we started we started ugly right around um brexit in the uk um which changed that environment changed that business landscape forever um we also launched our business in america from the uk so we were all working from the london office in us time zones for six months before i could get a visa to move here when i first moved here bought one suitcase, stayed on a friend's sofa for a few months, had no office, no team. Um, So, you know, coronavirus, as much as it's incredibly tragic from a human point of view, and um, there's people doing amazing things right now in the the health service, as we discussed. My mum obviously works in that in the UK. Um, But there's, you know, it's, um, there's always challenges in a startup. Mm -hmm. And this is just an amplified one that you have to react to quickly. So for Ugly at the moment, I mean, it impacts everything. It impacts our uh, retail partners, um, you know, many of who, again, are doing, you know, heroic work, really, continuing to keep shelves stocked and having lines of customers out the door. It's pretty amazing. You'd never thought you'd see that. And even the, the delivery drivers for FedEx and Amazon are right on the front line of getting people what they need in the face of everything. So... You know, what Ugly's facing is no, no, nothing really compared to what those people are going through at the moment. But, you know, we still have to react. My, my job is still to keep the business headed in the right direction and to protect our employees. So, you know, the minute we noticed this was going to be a real um, health issue for the countries that we operate in and for our employees, we, we instructed everybody to work, remote, uh, work remotely and work from home well in advance of any sort of government advice on that. We're trying to do our bit. And, you know, that has its challenges, right? Because um, communicating internationally, virtually is is a tiresome thing to do. We've done it a lot anyway as a business, but whole business operating like that. Um, so that does take a bit of adjustment. Um, but really now satisfying demand and keeping up with demand. Um, we have obviously a long shelf life uh, water products, which has strong demand right now. Uh, we're lucky enough to have that. Um, but then, you know, working with our co-packers to produce products safely, to deliver it safely, um, to make sure that we have the capital required to continue to keep up with production as a small business. Um, and then also the direct consumer business we have, you know, thousands of deliveries going out a week at the moment, uh, making sure they're packed safely by people who are in a safe environment. Um, 
has been a big focus for us over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, what's good about it is we've probably highlighted four or five things already since the start of the virus that we might never have spotted in the business. Um, processes, um, you know, you, you spot weaknesses, but also spot strengths internally of what is strong. Um, so it's actually, you know, we always say the there's... Um, the Ryan Holiday book, The Obstacle is the Way, which talks about Seneca and uh, obstacles showing paths. This is obviously no obstacle that anybody really wants to come across. And it's very hard to look optimistically at it for, as a human. So I caveat it by saying that. And I hope everybody stays well. From a business point of view, it can only bring you together if you take it optimistically. It can mm. only highlight areas where there are um, great things in your business. There's opportunities, certainly. You see restaurants adapting this week um, to delivery, to takeout, to marketing their businesses in different ways. And that's what I always just think is great about entrepreneurialism and the opportunity we have to control our own destinies is that, you know, Ugly can control what it does. Today, we, you know, we're trying different things at the moment. We, today, we, we're testing whether people will send, um, send Ugly to a friend, keep their fridge stocked if they're having a rough day. Mm-hmm. Um, Last week, we created a working from home bundle on our web shop, which has, gives you enough product for a few weeks of quarantine. We're trying stuff to, you know, keep things lighthearted to, you know, we create what we think is a great tasting product that's affordable, that can come to your door and keep your fridge stock. So we're trying to stay positive on that front and then really look to see if there's, you know, opportunities in this crisis for our business to come out stronger the other side. And that is the mentality that trying to have internally. Um, there was maybe five, six days of not panics, the wrong word, but urgency, what's going on, what's happening. And I think once, as you, if you stay calm as a leader and make tough, some tough decisions and stay focused and keep everybody focused, that it's actually a lot of opportunity here for us, um, to improve the way we work mm. and to stick together. And then when, when this does subside and we come through the other side, I think, uh, I think we, we will all be stronger for it as people will come out tougher um, and more ready for what comes ahead. So trying to look at the positive side of it, um, uh, which is what entrepreneurs have to do, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's a really big piece. Like there is a way to make things work. These obstacles force you to look at that. Uh, and it's completely unfortunate, everything that's going on, but, people the way I look at it is like within the food and bev world people need need what you are selling right now they need healthy alternatives they need beverages so I mean anyone out there who's listening who has a great product that can improve people's lives like now is your time to like step up because the people need it (laughs) people need it at home um and it's up to you to find ways to like make that make that happen right I think everybody goes through, and maybe I did as well, that first kind of, um, not panic buy or stockpiling, but those first quarantine essentials definitely look like Sour Patch Kids and uh, bags of Doritos, but you eat those in quarantine for three or four days and you're going to feel pretty rubbish. Um, And this is a time to look after ourselves physically and mentally. So, you know, getting clean, healthy food that's affordable to people that can sustain you over a long period of time is the key. and so that's, again, like you say, anybody with a brand or product like that should be looking at ways they can get it to get it to consumers effectively over the next few weeks. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, talk to me about like your guys' growth. Some of the big wins that have really changed the trajectory of the business. If you think of like one big event, two big events that have happened that have really shifted or helped giving you almost validity in uh, that you're on to something, that people really need this, that they're asking for this. Mm-hmm. What would what would that be? Yeah, there's there's many. Um, the first thing that came to mind is is our New York retail launch. Um, we partnered with a small distributor in New York uh, right at the beginning, who was going to get us in, you know, a small number of accounts, fifty to to hundred. Um, and that was who would talk to us at the time, right? Who would take a risk on our product? Who would take us on and get behind us? And um, we worked with them to put the brand everywhere, to build displays, to you know generate rate of sale, to generate velocity, um, and you know that then put us in a position where we started getting noticed, and I started getting inbound from much larger distributors, um, who we now work with and put the products in a lot more stores. But for me, that was that was the moment where it was like, wow, if you do the right things and focus on the basics, opportunities come to you as well as reaching out. Um, and I was glad that we decided to build up brick by brick that way. Um, and it's consistently proven out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and we've we've used LinkedIn a lot to communicate, to show how we're building. And it's obviously got a lot of eyeballs on what we're doing. But um, sharing your journey, um, you take people with you and they can see the progress. And so once they started to see and hear that the product was turning and that the, the product was moving, you then get much bigger retail partners coming to you. And it's the same same in the UK too. Our very first store was um, Selfridges, the department store, uh, which is American founded in, in the UK, very famous department store. We were in there and... Um, Joe and I actually did demos, and our early team did demos in there pretty much every day for the first two months of the business. Um, so we were the number one selling drink in the store, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, selling, you know, famous soda brands and other products. We met, you know, interesting, we actually met our lead investors now in that store. Um, little did we know at the time that they would, they would invest in us two or three years later and be one of our strongest partners. But we also managed to build the retail story that, we then took to Whole Foods, who then took Ugly in. Uh, we then did the same in Whole Foods, hundreds of demos in that year. And then we took that story to the large retailers in the UK um, and things moved on from there. Mm-hmm. So you don't know at the time, but Selfridge is saying yes to taking us. Um, Open up the door to a lot of a lot of the path for Ugly. And so the big moments... But, you know, what's, what's the quote? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Like, we put ourselves in the position where the people could come to us once we'd proven out what we were doing. Every time we launch somewhere, we're trying to prove it works in that mm. market. So New York proved it could work somewhere else. Um, and again, the distributor we work with in Tennessee came to us. Um, distributor we work in Arizona came to us. Um, same in California, too all because we're proving it out as we go rather than stretching ourselves too thin. So I'd say those those are kind of, I guess, big moments where this is cut through. There's many others. I mean, we've been featured on TV shows, you know, all sorts of media articles. And um, 
you know, we've just tried to be authentic in every touch point. And what do they say? It's not the, again, I'm full of these awful quotes. <laughs> it's, it's the drip, drip, drip that causes your ceiling to fall through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not the, it's not the one night of rain, it's the dripping over 365 days. And so ugly consistently just spoils those trips. And if you do that in a small market or in a big market, eventually it happens, mm. um, which is what we've seen, I think. Yeah, that consistency of proving that it's working and consistently going out there as well. Like you guys are out there demoing it all the time, getting people to try it. Uh, and a lot of people don't want to do that or they don't see the opportunity in doing it. And you guys have really leaned in to say, this is how we get results. This is how we get people to try to get aware of the brand. And it's like opened up other doors to investors, right? Like who would have And there's, there's lots of stories as well. I'm sure you've spoken to many brands that have had amazing, not luck because people create their own luck, but PR stories or moments of magic where something's gone out of control and it's been the breakthrough for their brand. I think with Ugly, what we've controlled is there's, there's no rocket science here. It's day by day, store by store, be nice to people, work really hard. Um, I know there's other brands that have that same philosophy that I admire as well. And I think that's always just been a focus for us. Um, and uh, so far it's working. We have a long way to go, though. And, uh, mm. you know, we'll see what comes in the future as well. Who knows what that next moment is or next uh, challenges as well. Who knew this was coming? A month right. ago, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I was reading some of the news articles from you know January on COVID in the US, and they thought it was going to pass over. Uh, yeah. Even very articles and publications I respect hugely. So no one saw it coming, and now we're just reacting to it. But equally, it can go the other way too at any moment. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, any advice for anyone out there right now who is thinking of starting a food or bev business? or in those really early stages, um, what advice would you give to someone just starting out? Yeah, I've got a f I love this stuff, so like, <laughs> advice. The first thing is like, when we were looking, when we were initially started the business, Joe and I, we started emailing from our like, you know, Gmail or Hotmail email accounts. I don't know what mine is, it's too embarrassing to read out. Um, or even just Thomas at Gmail, which it isn't, but if that was it. Mm -hmm. um, you you don't get the cut through um, hmm. the same way that even if you just get a domain name and create a holding company and create a small logo and put that in your email that you get. So, you know, if somebody just wants to hear back from a retailer or hear back from a custom, uh, a co-packer, even just getting a domain name set up and an email address and having, you know, CEO and a logo and a website in your email, in your sub in your signature, will make a massive difference and makes you look more legitimate than just emailing from a personal email address. That sounds really simple, but it honestly, it opens so many doors. Mm. And then the other thing I'd say is all the advice is out there. All the people who have the answers are out there. Um, everybody I've ever met in the food and drink industry is really nice, pretty much. 99.9% .9 of people I've ever met, I've always got on with. And everybody is in this game out of passion because there's much easier ways to make money. <laughs> and yeah. Much easier lifestyle, certainly. And so you're actually talking about a group of people who are very generous. Um, you know, we've had competitors who are generous. We're generous back, you know. It's very strange sometimes when you realize that you actually like your competitors. <laughs> um, but I think um, I would encourage anyone starting out to not be afraid of asking those people who are further up the ladder because pretty mm. much the ladder had help from someone else. 
so there's a very much a pass it down mentality. And then the other thing I'd say is if you do speak to those people and they can't help you, even if it's a co-packer or a retailer or an investor, I, we always ask, do you know someone who can? Um, and honestly, seriously, speaking to a few co-packers who couldn't work with us early on in the beginning, um, and then asking that question at the end saying, do you know anyone who can? Actually got us to the co-packers who could. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I would say is like, everything that seems unsurmountable now is possible. You know, we, I'd never launched a company in the US. My team had never done it. Um, you know, and we never didn't know how to find US co-packers, didn't know how to get into retail, didn't understand how distribution worked, trademarks, the legal system, the banking system, none of it. I had no idea, but worked it out because mm. you just ask questions, you learn. If somebody doesn't know, you find someone who does. And you just keep doing that relentlessly for years and then and then you finally get somewhere. Um, but that that's literally all it takes. And I know that's simple, but those the, the principle there is mm. you really have to be relentless on it. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's helpful. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. Um, it's often those simple things that make a huge difference, right? And, and also, I will say as well, think about your economics, think yeah. about margin, um, because you need to work back from a price point that's accessible for consumers. You need to really think that stuff through because you can burn yourself so fast. So, right. Uh, whilst you were talking, <laughs> let's give something actually useful. <laughs> Definitely think about margins and speak to people who know what they're talking about because um, it can derail your business so fast. If you mm. Got it. That's helpful. Cool. And last question, just to finish everything off. Um, I always like to ask everyone, what is, what is your brand pair perfectly with like what what does ugly go great with i think ugly goes great with everything i probably have eight cans a day but i love ugly with a slice of pizza mm. um, <laughs> i you know like a slice of takeout pizza with a can of seltzer um one of our ugly ugly cans like i've always just thought it's just epic and um you know so many healthy brands partner themselves with salads and uh, kale dishes but you know it's like sometimes you want to indulge, but you definitely don't need to wash that down with 40 grams of sugar. So um, I've always loved that image in my head of somebody having like a slice of pizza with a can of ugly. And I just think that's life in balance. <laughs> Love it. That is life in balance right there. <laughs> cool. Well, Hugh, thank you so much for sharing all of this. This is really, really helpful for everyone, no matter what stage you're at. And I wish you guys... So much success as you continue to grow throughout America and across the globe uh, and hope you guys are all staying safe and anyone out there, if you want some refreshing drinks delivered right to your door, uh, go check out Ugly Drinks. Yeah, and if anybody wants to email me, uh, hughuglydrinks.com, uh, I'll try and reply to any anybody's help or point in direction of mistakes we've made to help you avoid them. So we're always here if that helps. Cool. Appreciate that generosity. This this industry is beautiful like thank that. You. So thank you for continuing to open that up for people. Appreciate it. The Food Founders Podcast is brought to you by the Fab Growth Academy, the online hub for driven food and beverage business owners that want to get on more shelves, get into more homes, and really grow their food business. Inside the Fab Growth Academy, 
FAB standing for food and beverage. You'll have unlimited access to tools, resources, and training from myself and my food friends. So if you know you have a great product, let's work on building the business side of things so that more people can enjoy it and you can make the impact I know you want to make with your business. The Fab Growth Academy is now open. So hop on over to growmyfoodbrand.com to join me and your fellow food founders inside the Fab Growth Academy. I cannot wait to see you in there and help you grow your business.